Welcome to Church History for Everyone, a podcast that brings to life the stories of the saints of generations gone by. From Athanasius to William Carey, and from Nero's persecutions to the Great Awakening, we provide a digestible and challenging look at the figures and events that have shaped church history and, in turn, changed the world. Now, here's your host, Christopher Hume. We ended last episode with the church from Scrooby finally arriving in Holland. After many difficulties, William Bradford, William Brewster, and John Robinson would have been among the last to arrive, staying with those left behind in England until they could reach Holland. Now, when we say Holland, we're referring particularly to the two western provinces in the nation of the Netherlands, though when some people say Holland, they refer to the whole nation of the Netherlands. Now, when William Bradford and the Pilgrims arrived in Holland, the Netherlands were leading Europe in commerce and manufacturing. And in fact, the Netherlands were among the first European nations following the Reformation to truly excel at literacy. When Bradford arrived, there was hardly a person in Holland who could not read or write. No small feat in the 17th century. In addition to that, hospitals, orphanages, and homes for the elderly and disabled all abounded in the Netherlands. Perhaps most remarkable to the historian is the fact that the Dutch conceptions of government and the rights of the people were 200 years ahead of the rest of Europe. In fact, much of the views regarding civil government that the pilgrims brought to America came not from England, but from the Netherlands. Bradford Smith writes that there is scarcely a fact in American history of more consequence, and there is scarcely one whose significance has been more neglected. William Bradford's understanding of civil government was shaped at least as much, if not much more, by Dutch conceptions of government than English ones. Now, a bit of background is in order to understand the nation in which the young man William Bradford would spend the next decade living in. Now, the separatists of Scrooby arrived in Holland just as 40 years of war with Spain had come to an end. And the Dutch resistance to Spain is one of the greatest chapters in human history regarding a people fighting against great odds for their own freedom. Now, Radford Smith notes that the Dutch resistance to tyranny makes the American Revolution with all its misery seem almost like a tea party. And the city of Leiden, which would come to be the home of Bradford and the Separatists after a brief stay in Amsterdam, provides a captivating picture of the Dutch resistance to tyranny. In 1574, the city of Leiden was surrounded by Roman Catholic Spaniards. Instead of fighting against the Dutch citizens, the Spanish opted to starve them out. And so for two months, the citizens of Leiden held out. 8,000 citizens died as every weed and every blade of grass was consumed. The Spanish demanded the city to surrender. And a famous response was made by the citizens of Leiden, defying the tyranny and oppression of the Roman Catholic monarch. And they said this, You call us rat eaters and dog eaters, and it is true. So long then, as you hear dog bark or cat meow within these walls, you may know that the city holds out. And when all has perished but ourselves, be sure that we will devour our left arms retaining our right to defend our women, our liberty, and our religion against a foreign tyrant. And when the last hour has come, with our own hands we will set fire to the city and perish, men, 
women and children together in the flames rather than suffer our homes to be polluted and our liberties to be crushed. This was just one example of the unfailing spirit of the Calvinistic Dutch resistance to the Roman Catholic Spanish. Eventually, the Spanish were forced to leave and the citizens of Leiden gathered together in tears to thank God for their deliverance. These are the men and women that the pilgrims would spend the next 12 years with. No doubt they found common ground in their resistance to tyranny and commitment to freedom. In fact, the pilgrims found great favor in the eyes of the Dutch, even being offered money to stay and become naturalized citizens rather than move to America. And so it was here in Holland that William Bradford would spend the next 12 years of his life. When he arrived, he was 18 years old. When he left, he was around 30 years old. The years in Holland served as the proving ground for Bradford and the other saints. Finally free from the persecution of the English crown, would they be able to live out their Christianity according to the simple and pure model of the New Testament? Or would their church split apart and disintegrate as other separatist congregations had before them? And so upon arriving in Amsterdam, the church found a familiar face, Richard Clifton, that preacher that Bradford had first heard Puritan doctrine from. Clifton and others had moved to Holland earlier, and for a brief period, Clifton again became the pastor of the group, with Robinson resuming his duties as Clifton's assistant. And so Bradford and the pilgrims from Scrooby arrived in Amsterdam, and they arrived to a group of Christians who were embroiled in several controversies. That John Smith, who was a leading though controversial figure among separatists, was also familiar to the pilgrims. They had sat under his preaching previously in England. However, John Smith was now adopting unorthodox views, especially relating to the Word of God. Smith believed that ordinary believers must learn the original Greek and Hebrew in order to read God's Word, as any translation in another language was not sufficient. Smith soon, however, went beyond this and argued that even the original languages may be corrupt, and he altogether removed the Word of God from the church service. Smith also rejected infant baptism, but it must be remembered that he did so in a manner much different than the Reformed Baptist churches did of the same century. Smith concluded that there were no true Christians since everyone had been baptized as an infant. Smith then rebaptized himself and his church. After all this, Smith decided the whole thing was an error and he was wrong. Clifton and Robinson could not accept these strange positions, and the group began fellowshipping, though they didn't officially join themselves to another group of Christians in the area called the Ancient Brethren. This group, too, soon faced controversy, however. One of the complaints seems to be that the pastor's wife made a great show of her fine Elizabethan linen by making a public show of washing and hanging them out to dry. On a more serious note, however, one of the elders was charged with sexual immorality, joining himself to several women and even girls. This elder actually went to the Dutch government, suing the congregation for slander. However, he lost his case, and the church was in a precarious position at best. In addition to these concerns, the pilgrims were faced with the difficult task of making a living in a foreign land. In his journal, William Bradford wrote this, For though they saw fair and beautiful cities, flowing with abundance of all sorts of wealth and riches, it was not long before they saw the grim and grisly face of poverty coming upon them like an armed man with whom they must buckle and encounter, and for whom they could not fly. But they were armed with faith and patience against him and all his encounters, and though they were sometimes foiled, 
Yet by God's assistance, they prevailed and got the victory. The pilgrims, we must remember, were largely rural farmers. They were familiar with primitive and modest living, but not with urban poverty. They could no longer rely on their flocks and fields to sustain them. They had to learn new trades in a new urban environment. And this difficulty would never be fully resolved during the 12 years in Holland. And as we'll see in our next episode, it was part of the reason for the move to America. Now, the textile industry was huge in Holland, and William Bradford, along with many others in the congregation, entered this industry. Bradford, in fact, apprenticed himself to a French silk maker. Now, it should be noted that during his brief stay in Amsterdam, likely less than 12 months before they moved to another city, Bradford met his future wife, Dorothy May. Now, for someone like me, interested in the man William Bradford, it is a bit disappointing, to say the least, that Bradford actually wrote precious little about his personal and family life in his famous journal, choosing instead to focus on the Pilgrim group as a whole, even viewing himself within that group as a tiny part of it. His journal is a chronicle of God's faithfulness to the church, not a personal journal of his life, and therefore he focused on the interests of others, not his own, even in recording for posterity what occurred. But Dorothy was part of this ancient brethren group, and at the time Bradford met her, she was too young to marry. Seemingly impressed, however, with her character and maturity, Bradford decided to wait five years until she was old enough for marriage. He would leave her with her family in the ancient Brethren Church in Amsterdam while he headed to Leiden with Robinson and the rest of the Scrooby Separatists. And there's no doubt that this at least made him uneasy as at least one elder in the ancient Brethren group had already been proven to be a sexual danger to young girls in the church. And so with all the trouble brewing in the two English Separatist congregations that were already established in Amsterdam, the pilgrims considered if they should leave Amsterdam for another city. And due to his strange views, they could not associate with John Smith. And continued involvement with the ancient brethren seemed like a less than wise course of action. So John Robinson went searching for another city. Of course, he settled on the city of Leiden, a city which was, in the words of Bradford, fair and beautiful, of a sweet situation made famous by its university. Preparations were soon made for the pilgrims to move there. Clifton, however, would stay behind in Amsterdam, and so John Robinson would again be the main pastor of William Bradford and the Pilgrims. In what wouldn't be their final conflict with the English government, King James, through his ambassador in Holland, tried to prevent the Pilgrims from being received in the city of Leiden. The Dutch, however, had already proven their resistance to tyranny, and they had no interest in assisting the same monarch who had failed to help them against the Spanish years earlier. The leaders of the city of Leiden, in spite of the King of England's request, welcomed the pilgrims into their city. And this was to be Bradford's home for the next decade. Here he would get married. Here he would have a son. Here the church would grow. Here John Robinson would be at the top of his game, contending for biblical doctrine against the errors of the Arminians. Here, in his own words, William Bradford writes that the church came as near the primitive pattern of the first churches as any other church of these latter times has done. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Church History for Everyone. For information about following Jesus, the King of History, visit reformedhope.com and be sure to join us for our next episode. Until then, go live out your story 
as a servant of the risen Savior.